Welcome to episode 19 of Groundbreaking Podcast. I'm your host, Eli. Thank you so much for joining me this week. I can't believe we are nearing the end of season one. If you are joining me for your first time, welcome. To my regular listeners, thanks so much for being awesome and sharing the love with your network. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe through your favorite podcasting service. My guest this week is Guy Ryan, the CEO and founder of Inspiring Stories. Guy is an entrepreneur and a leader. He has built numerous ventures, both for profit and charitable, and has built an impressive track record of programs and partnerships that have helped support more than 6,000 young New Zealanders to unleash their potential. Guy was awarded Young New Zealander of the Year in 2015 and has spoken internationally and at home to more than 20,000 people. Hey Guy, thank you so much for joining us this week. Hey Eli, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and where did you grow up? My name's Guy, Guy Ryan, and I grew up in the South Island of New Zealand, down on the West Coast, in a tiny little town called Granity which most people have never heard of, which is halfway between Westport and Karamea. We had the, the beach literally down the backyard, so like 30 metres down my backyard was the beach, and over the road uh, was the bush. Uh, big hills, uh, lots of bush, lots of rainforest. Spent a lot of my time um, making tree huts in the bush or um, down the beach, swimming, surfing, uh, you know, just, just hanging out and adventuring. What led you first to get interested in business? So neither of my parents were ever involved in business. And in fact, I didn't really have too many interests in that when I was at school. I was more interested in sport uh, when I was at primary school. Uh, I used to play rugby, basketball, hockey, swimming, judo, every sport I could. Um, And then through high school, uh, I just fell in love with surfing and skateboarding. And it wasn't really until I went to university down in Dunedin at the University of Otago where I I ended up doing a a business degree and a design degree. And I I guess I started that just by taking a couple of different papers on things that I, I thought were interesting. And, you know, through university, you get a lot of theory uh, and I'm quite a a practical person. So I was always looking for opportunities to put the theory into practice and, um, yeah, just ended up getting getting involved in all sorts of different things and projects. I first started out making surfing and skateboarding films with, with friends and ended up, you know, putting those films onto DVD and selling them and surfing stores and putting on these big premieres and uh, a film that I made got distributed with um, Kiwi Surf magazine and just became more and more interested in business and entrepreneurship through that. Did you put the film on YouTube? Uh, I think one version of it is on YouTube for sure. But the first ones that I made, no, I didn't actually put them on YouTube. When I first started making them, YouTube didn't really exist, which is pretty crazy. And then I guess the more I kind of dabbled in filmmaking and storytelling and um, doing documentary stuff, doing interviewing with you know different leaders and entrepreneurs, the more that inspired me um, to get involved in, I guess, you know, uh, building projects and ventures and and, and businesses. 
Your time at University of Otago was important. You made a film, started a production business, and a trust. Can you tell me more about that journey? So, started out making surfing and skateboarding films.、Uh, one of those surfing films ended up winning a, a Best New Zealand Film Award at the Wanaka Mountain Film Festival, which was quite funny. And then. The University of Otago also run a, a master's course in in partnership with another film production company in Dunedin called Natural History New Zealand, who make a lot of documentary film content for like Discovery Channel or National Geographic. And、uh, I ended up doing this master's course where they'd take on twelve students from all around the world. As part of it, you write a thesis, you、um, produce a twenty five minute documentary. The film that a fellow student Nick and I made called "Carving the Future" ended up winning a few awards,、uh, and it was during that master's course that、um, I also set up a, a film production company in partnership with a few other students on the course. And all of our films ended up winning international awards, and、uh, kind of on the side of course, we'd get、um, paid. Paid money, like clients, businesses would approach us to to come and do paid either promotional work or documentary film work. So, like AJ Hackett Bungee、um, is probably a you know a company that everyone's heard of. All the bungee jumping around Queenstown. So, our our little student led film production company made the promo vids for AJ Hackett Bungee, which I think is still playing、um, on all the screens around Queenstown. And then, as well as kind of the business side of things. I guess as a young person, just started learning a lot about some of the big issues in our world. So learning about climate change, learning about you know extreme poverty and and, and the inequality that exists in our world, and I, I found a lot of that stuff quite confronting, and just started asking what could I do, and became really interested in trying to use my creativity, my time, my talents to do stuff that could make a difference. And as part of that. As part of the film that we had to make, ended up making us a film about four young New Zealanders who were taking action around climate change and environmental issues, and that film ended up winning the Colorado International Film Festival and was one of three finalists in the world for the BBC's Best Newcomer Award. And yeah, <laughs> through that,、um, ended up creating an adventure festival,、uh, a food festival.、Um, Off the back of that, set up Inspiring Stories, which is what I run now and have been the chief executive of for the last seven years.、Um, and the first year of that ended up winning a scholarship from Vodafone, who,、uh, if you're successful, would pay your salary and expenses for one year to head a youth-focused project of your choice. So that was our our very first year for Inspiring Stories, way back in 2011. Can you tell me more about Inspiring Stories and how did you get started? So, inspiring stories、uh, hugely inspired for me、um, off the back of the film, the documentary that、uh, fellow student Nick and I made for our our masters, which was called Carving the Future, and that told the stories of four young New Zealanders who were stepping up,、um, you know, demonstrating leadership, taking action to make a difference around climate change and environmental issues, and seeing how powerful the stories of those four young New Zealanders could be. In that film, which was you know screened in fifty countries around the world and、um, ended up winning international awards,、uh, could be as a catalyst to inspire others and inspire action. And I thought, wow, you know, if that's how powerful the stories of these four young Kiwis could be, imagine how many other young New Zealanders are out there doing good stuff.、Uh, and what would it take to increase the visibility of that, but also the the support、um, for those young people working to make a difference. So. 
that was hugely the, you know, the kind of the motivation to set up inspiring stories, yeah. uh, initially very storytelling and, and filmmaking focused. Um, but quite quickly we broadened uh, to start doing a lot more around leadership development and, and social entrepreneurship enterprise. So we've got a, a big, bold vision to see every young New Zealander unleash their potential to change the world. And that vision has remained the same. Um, how we've worked to try and develop different programs and partnerships to support that has, has changed over the years. We've, we've been running for seven years now. We're best known for uh, a, an amazing national event called Festival for the Future, which brings together about 1,200 movers and shakers from across the country, um, really looking at some of those big um, future trends, future challenges, uh, showcasing a really diverse range of innovators, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and then with a whole bunch of different workshops to help people build their ideas and skills for the future. So Festival for the Future has kind of grown every year for the last seven years. Um, we've built out different accelerator programs uh, to support young social entrepreneurs. We've uh, increasingly doing a lot more work with young people in more rural and provincial communities across New Zealand through our Future Leaders program. We've got a, a team of, what, seven employees who are mostly based in Wellington. And then we've got our, our, what we call our coaches who live and work on the ground across eight different rural, provincial communities across the country who deliver our Future Leaders program. Yeah, that's, that's it at a high level, what we're up to. Hey, Guy, you have started lots of businesses. How do you assess business ideas? It's a good question. That kind of, and my response to that probably would would change depending on when you asked me that um, over the last five, ten years. I think one is, are you passionate about it? Like, is this something that you could get out of bed, you know, early in the morning, work all day on this thing for at least a couple of years on? That's probably the first question. Um, you know, I think 90% or more of startup businesses fail within the first three years. So there's a very high failure rate. But, I mean, don't let that put you off. I think the more you do things, hopefully, if you're learning along the way, the be, better you get it, at it. Uh, the more practice, the better you become. Um, like, is there is there a market opportunity? How, how would you make money? How would you make revenue? Who's the, who's the audience? Who's the customer? Um, those are always super important questions to ask. But sometimes you don't know the answer to those unless you actually roll up sleeves and have a go at it. So, yes, I guess, you know, on our journey, we've, we've always had to ask those questions. But then balancing that alongside the kind of the impact side or the generosity side, you know, for the likes of, say, Festival for the Future, we've always run a really big scholarships program. So we charge money um, for tickets. So people pay for a ticket to, to attend the festival but knowing that for some people, actually, they could really benefit from that experience, but cost might be a barrier. So that's why we've run a scholarships program that might be able to assist with ticket or transport or accommodation. So um, now we would have probably supported, I don't know, maybe close to 800 people through scholarship support to attend festival over the last seven years. Um, but it's always balancing out, like, you have to be able to make money to be able to then further extend that generosity through scholarship support around Festival for the Future. If it didn't make money, then, yeah, it would have been pretty hard to, to keep it going. How have you funded all of these businesses, Guy? So Inspiring Stories is a charity, but we have to operate like a business to survive. 
the the original kind of the grant funding that we got from the Vodafone Foundation in the very first year was $80,000, which you could split into salary and expenses to kind of lead that youth focus project of your choice. But that was only ever one year's support. Um, so it was, you know, it was a challenge to think about, okay, well, how could we sustain this thing beyond that first year? So we're now seven years into that journey. So it's been um, quite the experiment, quite the adventure. Um, and it's grown a lot during that time, both in kind of annual revenue, but also where that where that money comes from um, and then the types of different programs and initiatives and partnerships that we run. So I guess uh, with, with inspiring stories, it's quite a unique example where we'd get some money through things like ticket sales around festival for the future. We'd get some money um, through grants and philanthropy, um, some money through donations, some money through sponsorship, some money through other ventures that we run. So we also run a speaker bureau, which represents some of New Zealand's top, top young talent for paid speaking opportunities, usually to businesses um, or tertiary institutions. And then they get paid to speak and, and share their insights, their wisdom, their stories. And then we would take a, a cut of the booking fee and then that money helps to go back in to support the programs that we run. So we're a pretty unique example in that we get um, different amounts of money from, from different streams, which helps to kind of enable and support the work that we do. So it's quite diverse and hopefully quite resilient. You have achieved so much, Guy. Did you ever feel like giving up? What made you stay motivated? <laughs> yeah, um, definitely not easy. So uh, I guess um, coming back to that question, uh, you know, what do you think about when, when assessing different business ideas? Like you have to be passionate about it. If you're not like, really passionate and excited about it, when stuff gets hard, then um, you just don't, you don't have the motivation to keep going. So um, for me personally, like really believing in the vision and the purpose and the why of the work that we're doing has been, has, has been what's kept me here. Um, we've certainly had huge challenges, ups and downs throughout the last seven years. Um, you know, that includes just um, almost having to completely wind the organisation up a couple of times, um, you know, some, some big financial challenges, but we've come through that now, um, you know, often thanks to some, some amazing generosity and support of, of people who have also believed in the vision and rolled up sleeves to help and having come through that yeah now we're in a, a really good place we've got a great team um we're, we're just looking at you know the next three to five years what we what we kind of what we want to achieve as a team um and it's really exciting so but yeah it's um definitely a huge amount of like uh, courage and resilience i think to to try things for the first time um, and, and to keep finding that motivation to keep going. And sometimes you just don't know what's around the corner, you know, so sometimes perseverance yeah. and just, just hanging in there for long enough till that next opportunity pops up is, is what it takes. Entrepreneurs take risks. How do you approach taking risks? I have always had an appetite for risk since a very young age. Um, you know, uh, adventuring growing up at the beach down the backyard and the bush over the road and surfing and a, a passion for extreme sports, you know, surfing big waves or skateboarding. Um, and I think quite naturally that's translated into um, <laughs> how I approach business or running an organisation. So I've probably got quite a higher, a higher tolerance for risk than, than some people. 
And I think with anything, you know, you kind of have to think about, you know, well, is this possible? What could go wrong? What are the risks associated with it? And uh, you have to weigh that up with, well, what could go right? You know, and what what might it take to um, to achieve this? And then, like, you can have your big vision, but then I think it's really important to just peer that back to quite practical and tangible steps towards making that happen. So like having little goals that help you achieve your progress or, you know, you might have a vision to build festival for the future into a 1200 person event, but it's probably not where you start. You probably start by prototyping something much smaller scale, which might be with like 50 people. And that's totally what we've done throughout our journey as well. What has been one of the best pieces of advice you have been given? There's a a quote that I came across recently, actually, which says, stay humble and hustle hard, which I, which I quite like. Uh, I guess, you know, um, being humble, being grateful um, is really important. We wouldn't yeah. be where we are, you know, if it wasn't for the generosity and support of so many people who have rallied around the, the vision and the work that we do to help get us where we are. So, yeah, being humble and, and being grateful, really important. What advice would you give to anyone starting up a new business? What advice, I think, one... Is this an idea that you're really passionate about that you could see yourself doing for at least the next year? Because it's definitely going to take a longer, longer than a year. <laughs> um, second is, you know, how do you think this could make money? Um, who, who would pay? How much? Um, what would they be paying for? How do you communicate that to them? So those are always the important questions to be asking at the start. And then just have a go. You know, even if you fail, it's okay. You'll learn so much through the process. You have co-founded a recruitment agency. Can you tell me more about that? Have you launched that yet? Coming back to that idea of prototyping, testing. So you've got an idea thinking about what's the kind of the minimum viable product or prototype that you could test without putting huge amounts of time and energy and resource into it. So we tested it last year. Last year we tested three new ventures. We tested a recruitment agency, a speaker bureau, and a creative agency, a film production company. Um, And after testing those, we decided, actually, we're going to park two of them and focus on one of them. So uh, we parked the recruitment agency and the creative agency for now, uh, and we've focused on the speaker bureau. So the speaker bureau, Inspiring Speakers, has gone from not existing to we built a brand, we built a website, it's now gone uh, up to, I think, number two in Google PageRank, uh, and we now get paid requests for speaking opportunities coming through multiple requests every week from some of New Zealand's top companies and organisations. So um, that's a really easy win-win-win for uh, young people that we work with, alumni, and uh, creating a revenue stream to then support the programs that we run. So we've parked the recruitment agency for now, um, but very much focused on building out the speaker bureau. Hiring the right people is very important. What advice could you share? We have had um, all sorts of experiences hiring um, both paid employees or um, contractors that might only come on for a, a short amount of time, as well as working with a range of different interns and volunteers throughout you know the various things that we do so like festival for the future when that's running we'd have a small army of 50 volunteers plus eight to ten interns plus uh, 
eight different contractors plus you know all of our team so we kind of grow and shrink depending on what's happening i think um in terms of advice around like hiring uh one is like what does the organization need to be successful you know and that partly depends on what's the purpose of the organization what's the type of stuff that you know the products or the services what are the skills and expertise required for that so once you know that stuff, um, the types of people that you want, I think really, really, really important, at least for us, is you want people who are really passionate about the purpose and the vision of the organisation. So they have to buy into the why. Um, they have to be able to bring you know, um, the right skills and strengths and capabilities to, to the team and the organisation. It can be really hard to keep good people as well. You know, there's a, there's a, a lot of opportunities out there. And... Um, you know, there's a there's a lot of um, great opportunities, that, and and sometimes people might not necessarily want to be part of your your project or your team forever. That's okay. Uh, you know, like people are um, totally fine to go and explore other opportunities. Mm-hmm. But in saying that, it can be hard to lose good people as well. So, thinking about like how do you create good team and culture? You know, what is it other than your purpose or your why or the product or your service that you deliver, what's what's the kind of the X factor that you can create around creating a, a cool team and culture within your organisation? Can you talk to me about building culture and what have you learned over the years? Yeah, building culture. So, and it can be different for every organisation and different, you know, depending on the, the context in which they operate. Um, for us as an organisation, like starting out, you know, we've been a, a pretty small charity in New Zealand and, um, you know, more and more and more we've operated like a business throughout that time. But at least initially when we were running off um, grant funding and donations, it can be really, really hard to, um, you know, uh, there's not a huge amount of certainty about money or income that you've got coming in and it can be really hard to, um, build a team entirely based on volunteers because you know people need to pay rent, they need food, they need livelihoods. So for for the first few years of operating, it was I was I was the only employee, and we you know at best we might be able to work with some paid contractors, some interns, and some volunteers. Um, as we've kind of grown and, and developed more kind of stable and sustainable um, revenue streams and resources we've been able to just plan with a little bit more certainty and build out a team. Um, in terms of culture, like for us, it's so important that people believe in the vision and the purpose of the organization. They have to, you know, the, they have to believe in our why. Um, it's really important that we take a collaborative approach to working as a team that we celebrate as a team. So um, lots of kind of creative team planning processes that we'd put into place, making sure that every week we, we celebrate the different wins that we've had as a team and, and just, you know, different opportunities to, to share gratitude. I think for a lot of our team, you know, there's a lot of like really meaningful and impactful parts of, of the work that we do. So for other young people that might come through our programs, you know, there's been a lot of examples from people who have come through who have said, you know, this has completely changed my life and now I'm doing this, 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 and this as a result. Thank you so much. And that stuff's really, really empowering. That's, you know, that's why we do the work at the end of the day. Um, and that, that, that kind of stuff's really awesome for our culture too.
What change do you think we need to see in New Zealand to help young entrepreneur people thrive? Entrepreneurship, you know, depending on, depending on what age you are, entrepreneurship can be a pretty big word um, and can be a pretty scary word. Uh, at the end of the day, it's kind of about making stuff happen. And so being able to create um, different opportunities for young people, you know, from primary school all the way through secondary and tertiary to have a go at making things happen. You know, that can be initially through a small scale project. It doesn't have to be like a fully fledged business, but learning the skills that it takes to come up with an idea um, and bring that idea to life. You know, so that idea what are the resources that would be required to make that idea happen, bringing, you know, building a team, leading a team, how do you communicate that idea through presentation, marketing, um, you know, thinking about well, what are the ways that that idea could be sustainable, generate money, revenue. Um, yeah, so I think that there's an opportunity for more practical project-based learning that would support entrepreneurship throughout schools through primary school secondary school um, tertiary and then I, th I think beyond that it's being able to provide support pathways you know which include space to work from seed funding mentoring advisory opportunities for training and development lots of things that could be done I think to, to better support young entrepreneurs in New Zealand if you could go back in time guy what advice would you give yourself it's a good question I I, I kind of wouldn't I kind of wouldn't change anything, um, but I think sometimes because you've never done anything before, it can be really intimidating and can be really scary. But I think even though it can be really intimidating and be scary, don't let that scare you off. You know, like um, at the end of the day, every single person in the world is just human. You know, we all started somewhere. Um, including, you know, the most remarkable business people or entrepreneurs. So I, you know, I think I probably would have, um, in hindsight, I, yeah, it's funny because I've done all these things now, but at the time just starting out, I'd never done them. So it takes time to build confidence, but just roll up sleeves and have a go, I think is, is the best way to learn. And then trying to surround yourself with really good people who have lived experience, good mentors, um, who might have um, walked in the shoes that you're trying to walk in um, before and have good good advice and tips to share um, is, is only a good thing. Who inspires you? A lot of the a lot of the young people that we work with actually who you know have have poured their heart and soul into getting their various projects and ventures off the ground. Hunter Williams, who's a young lad who took part in initially in a lot of the, the, the kind of the filmmaking competition that we ran and then came along to Festival for the Future. He's got a growing passion for filmmaking and social change. And then this year he got to go to the World Youth Summit just last last month or the month before. Some of our alumni, so Bonnie, who has been working to build a, a beauty a beauty company where they've got the first product is a organic and vegan mascara and the part of the profits from the sale of mascaras go toward the Fred Hollows Foundation to help cure treatable blindness so help to restore the eyesight for people suffering from cataracts and treatable blindness uh, in the Pacific that stuff inspires me heaps okay final question for me what do you love most about your business? 
Um, what I love most about inspiring stories and the work that we do is just seeing the impact and the transformation that it can have for so many young people that we work with. We've worked in different ways with about seven, 8,000 young people now over the last seven years. And, you know, some of them have gone on to win the Young New Zealander of the Year, Year Award or um, represent New Zealand on the world stage or start volunteering movements or build social enterprises yeah, definitely the thing I love most is just seeing the, the impact and the ripple effects of the work that we do. It's super cool. And, and our team are awesome. Thank you, Guy, for joining us this week. Cool. Thanks, Eli. Great to be part of it. Well, that is us for another episode of Groundbreaking Podcast. Be sure to leave a comment down below, subscribe to your favourite podcasting service, and share it with your network. Stay awesome and share the love.